A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There really is only one late-night host who could deliver commentary like this. Casts isn't just the right thing to do, it's also good for business. One study showed that employing multiple black actors in the principal cast achieves significantly higher domestic box office revenues. And I know that that sounds a little confusing because didn't I just say that white people don't want to see diverse movies? Well, here's the thing, and I know this is going to be hard for some people to hear, but white people aren't the only people. So even if white people might be less excited about a movie, people of color turn out and more than make up for it. So those white executives are gonna have to catch up and we're gonna have to start promoting people of color. Not because they're woke, a word you totally ruined, but because people want to see shows like Squid Game or a black lady sketch show or the Amber Ruffin show. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Amber Ruffin talking about the right-wing freakout over a black aerial in The Little Mermaid. That clip is from The Amber Ruffin Show, which until recently was streaming weekly on Peacock. But even before the writer's strike caused all of Late Night to go dark, Amber's show was canceled in favor of occasional one-off specials for NBC's streaming service, which have yet to materialize. But that doesn't mean she hasn't been busy. Along with her sister, Lacey Lamar, who joins her on this episode, Amber has now written two books about their real-life, and often hilarious, experiences with racism, and launched a new podcast called The Amber and Lacey, Lacey and Amber Show. And that's on top of landing a Tony Award nomination for writing the new Broadway musical version of Some Like It Hot, shooting a new scripted pilot for NBC called Non-Evil Twin, and continuing to write for Late Night with Seth Meyers. That is, whenever the strike is over. So we had a lot to talk about on this week's show, including how the murder of George Floyd in 2020 may have led directly to Amber and other Black women getting their own late night shows, and what it means that all of those shows have now been canceled three years later. This is a fascinating conversation that also happens to be one of the sillier episodes we've done, mostly thanks to Amber and Lacey's infectious dynamic. So here we go. This is me with Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. Guys, we're recording. Okay. Amazing. Just have one handful of raisins. I know. I have one sun chip, but I'm not going to do it. I already ate. (laughs) Amber and I are snackers, and we like to eat. Thank you guys for being here. Um, You know, I I really want to talk about your podcast, but I do feel like because it's sort of the biggest news happening in the in the entertainment world right now, I do want to start with the writer's strike. Um, we just had uh, Sal Gentile on the podcast a little bit ago, your friend from, from yeah. Late Night. Um, and we were talking a lot about sort of how this has been impacting Late Night, because that's what everyone's seeing right away. So how have you been thinking about the writer's strike, you know, sort of more broadly? I mean, in terms of what's at stake for people who do this job that you've been doing for a long time? I know. I think we're in it. I think it's... I think it's going to be a long strike. I yeah, think we feels just, that way. No. Feels like it's going to be long. And uh, I also think that they're acting like they've banked a thousand shows and they haven't. And they're acting like they like 
well, we can turn to reality at any point because we have a lot. And they don't because someone was tweeting about how they work in reality TV. And during the last uh, strike, they got a bunch of calls, you know, for work. And during this strike, they haven't received any calls about any new shows. So, I mean, I don't maybe that means nothing. But I choose to make it mean everything, and I believe it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, as I said, late night TV was obviously the you know the first hit, um, hardest hit in some ways. Um, did some of these issues that people are fighting over, you know, in terms of you know day rates and and all of the stuff that's affecting late night writers, did that stuff come up with the Amber Ruffin show, and and was that something that was sort of on your mind? before the strike actually happened and, and everyone, you know, it, and it's actually gone through with it? Was like paying everyone correctly? I mean, <laughs> we knew that a streaming deal is going to be bad. Like we know that. And we also know that you used to be able to make a living off of writing a TV show and you can't anymore. That That's information we have all had this entire time. So nothing happened that was like, we were like, this is crazy, but it was like, it. this is, it doesn't have to be like this. That was clear. Yeah. So, yeah. And the, and the streaming thing is interesting also in terms of the Amber Ruffin show, because that was a streaming late night show, which is this sort of new frontier that is still, people are still trying to figure it out, I think. I think everything is all about me, but dang, if this isn't. Amber Ruffin show, um, streaming services, late night, um, Broadway and the Tonys and stuff. I mean, I'm having a time. This is quite a time. Do you think, I mean, what what do you think has been the biggest challenge of doing a late night style show, but on streaming? I mean, because it it is something that I think hasn't worked quite as well as some people have hoped, right? Not just your show, but, but overall. Yeah, I mean... It's certainly a challenge, but it's a challenge for the people with money. It's not a challenge for me. I show up and bug out. You just, you make your show and that's, yeah. and, and you do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. don't like the. I guess the biggest challenge might be like, they don't share the ratings and stuff. There's no traditional rating. I mean, they, they know how many people are watching it. They know exactly they how many people are watching. You. They will never tell you. And, uh, in um, network, it's it's common. It's everywhere. You can Google it. You can Google how many people watched Flip Flop last night. But <laughs> but when Flip Flop goes to streaming, Flip Flop's terrible. Lacey, I worked hard on Flip Flop, <laughs> and look, it's a good show. But the name yeah. stinks. Once a show, I mean, it does stink. It is a Flip Flop. Someone wore. Um, <laughs> but once a show goes to streaming, there's no, who knows? It, everybody watch it? No one watch it? You never know. Yeah. And then they use that to not pay you, basically. That's right. <laughs> that, that lack of information. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, going back, uh, Lace and I were chatting a little bit before you you came on the Zoom, Amber, and um, and talking about how, you know, this is uh, this show business thing is now, uh, is now sort of her full-time job as well. So how did you two, you know, start... Uh, collaborating together creatively. Amber, we Amber approached me and was like, "Hey, they asked me to write a book. I don't know who the they's are, but some <laughs> they asked Amber to write a book, and Amber said, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. But my sister has some unbelievable stories, and then we just took it from there. And she called me, "Do you want to write a book?" And I said, "It's already written. I have all these stories already written down because <laughs> I would journal everything." Written. 
Yeah. I would just journal at work, you and, know, and use that to complain to HR and say, now this is what happened. I wrote it down as it was happening. So and the book's kind of like how the is, book You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism. And it's just Thank all you, of the stories that Lacey has written down, you know, just so HR knows um, <laughs> why people are lying on you, I guess. Because <laughs> it's complicated. Or just racist. Yeah. Yeah. For, for anyone who doesn't know, Lacey, what were you what were you doing for work at the time when you when you wrote the book? I was a uh, uh, oh Lord Amber. It's what hard to I remember. I was yeah. a director, <laughs> director at a um, retirement home facility community. Yeah. And do you think that <laughs> job uh, lent itself to um, you know racist uh, moments, or is that was it just a, a sort of? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I live in Omaha, so that <laughs> so so it could have been it any was, job. Is is my question? Been, I guess. Any job in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, because you hear every, that yeah. job title and you think, oh, it's old people forgetting themselves. But that wasn't it. There isn't even no. a chapter called old people forgetting <laughs> what year it is. <laughs> the residents were not the problem. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, every once in a while. residents were special. Yeah. But most of the time, no, it was the people that I worked with. Yeah. And the book isn't all about, I mean, it's got a lot of work stories, but sometimes it's just me going to the grocery store. Um, what about finding the humor in these experiences? I mean, I think a lot of people would look at some of that stuff and say, you know, there's nothing funny about that. But obviously, you know, you're able to find humor in, in all of it. So was that did that come naturally as well? Was it was there a process of figuring out how do we make this funny? Not really. <laughs> That's This is how Amber and I talk and now we tell our stories. Yeah, the book is and they written were just funny. Exactly talk. Some of them definitely were not funny. Not Not every story in there is funny. But, um, I yeah, mean, depending on who you are. <laughs> true, 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 true. <laughs> That's not nice to think about. <laughs> but, it I mean, we're silly guys, so it's going to be a silly book. And then every once in a while, we would throw in a story that was less silly, just for the respect of what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's this... These these things, you know, can can be can be very funny, but also can be very serious. Obviously, you know, Amber, I know you talked, you know, during the at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, after um, George Floyd was killed, you went on late night and you talked more, much more seriously about a lot of this stuff. So was that a that was also a decision to say, you know what, I don't I don't think this is time to to joke about this stuff. So was that, and that's on a comedy show. So how did you decide that that was what you wanted to do in that context? Um, when George Floyd was murdered, they, we, I was like, oh, I want to say something. So, you know, I wrote up a regular, um, sketch, I think it was, I think it was like a, I, I'm not sure what kind of sketch, some kind of sketch where it was like the police giving a speech about how dumb they are. And then <laughs> I wrote, uh, I was, then the, the, um, what was in the air had shifted in a matter of hours and then it became clear I couldn't get away with doing a sketch about it and then as his death got heavier and heavier i was like oh i'll write a rant you know because i feel ranty and then it got too heavy for that and then i was like oh my god this is i don't I, can, can we even do the show tonight so you know then i was like i know exactly what to do i'm gonna go on late night and i'm just gonna tell an honest to God story about when the cops pulled me over one of the mil million times the cops pulled me over and I thought they were going to kill me. And then I, you know, called Seth and Shu and was like, what if I did this? And I, you know, wrote it down and sent it. And they were like, yeah, just film it. You know, at this point we were filming at home 
They're like, just shoot it and send it in. And then they opened the show with that story. And then I was like, well, what you doing all week? Because I got a million of these. <laughs> so then I every day that week, I opened the show with a monologue, not a monologue, just a retelling of a story about when I thought I was going to get killed by the cops. So to my right, there is an old white cop standing on the side of the road. And out of these tens of cars, he sees a young black person driving a purple car blasting rap music. And he chooses me and he's screaming at me. He is shouting as if I have murdered someone. Like on a scale of one to 10, he is at a 27. And he goes, pull the car over, pull the goddamn car over right now, mother That is what this cop is screaming at me. And I think this is how I die. This man is going to kill me. And I start crying. I am bawling because I am 100% sure that this man is going to drag me out of my car, beat me to death. And, you know, tomorrow on the news, everyone will be like, she didn't seem angry, but who knows? That was a pretty crazy time in the country. But on late night, it was so um, stark, I think, because late night shows, for the most part, are, part are hosted by white men. And so there was this feeling, I think, that they didn't know what to say or or how to communicate in a way. And so a lot of them were turning their shows over to, you know, other people who they felt could, could better speak to it. So, um, yeah, I mean, did you, how did you think about that at the time, just looking at, at what was happening, um, you know, across these shows? Um, I, you know, when stuff like that happens, I gotta be honest, you don't care what white people have to say. Like, I didn't care. I wasn't looking at, I love Sip. I love Seth to death. I don't care what that man has to say about. <laughs> Who cares? Like, so I was, so when they turned, when everybody, um, you know, made more space for the black creatives on their show, I thought that that was great. And it was a way to keep me, you know, and I, again, adore every late night show, especially Gutfield. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> The only one still running. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. Picket lines, schmicket lines. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just thought it was an, uh, a nice happening. And I bet the result of it was, you know, me, Z-Way and Sam getting late night shows. Cause yeah, I, you I think mean, there's a direct it, I, line from, from that uh, sort of like extra exposure during that time to you getting your own show? I mean, I think so. Well, I mean, I think it was just the 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 tide. The tide had shifted. I think everyone started to feel a little stupid because when, you know, your only option is white men and you then you see it in the light of 2020, you feel like an idiot. Yeah. And, and now cut to three years later, Z-Way's show is gone. Sam's show is gone. Your show is kind of doing these one-off specials. Mm -hmm. Not sure. Um, so what does that say? I think it says we're in America. <laughs> yeah. Simple as it that. Does. Yep. Hi. Welcome to America. <laughs> Coming up. It's been nine years since Amber Ruffin participated in a series of much-needed auditions Saturday Night Live held to find a Black female cast member. Amber didn't get that gig, but it did forever alter her career 
and those of several other women in the industry who she still considers close friends. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our episodes with other former late night hosts like Samantha B, Chelsea Handler, Sam J, and more, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. One instance that came to mind that I, you know could, could sort of be seen either way is um, when SNL held those sort of special auditions for Black women only in twenty in twenty fourteen, um, which I know you were part of. Did you feel like that was a, a positive thing, or was that sort of an example of sort of? separating people out and in, and in, in a in a negative way. Well, it it couldn't possibly have been negative because they were correcting a huge mistake they had made. So it was only a remedy. Um, yeah, it was corrective, yeah. But uh it, I don't know. Whenever I think about that I always think about all those little friends I have now. Like we had the best time because when you're a black lady in comedy, they separate us, you know, to make sure every show has one blah blah blah. But uh when we got to be together in all those auditions and in all those showcases. It was so fun. It was so fun. And everyone was like, there were these little pockets of Black women, like, because sometimes, you know, two or three, but you still don't get to perform together. And now everybody's got everyone's number in their phone and everyone (laughs) is best friends. And it's so, and that's, you know, because of those auditions. Yeah. So whether it was intended or not, it sort of created a, uh, a bond. Yeah, and maybe less competition than there would have been otherwise, because you you could think in that situation that everyone was competing against each other, but it did, did it not feel competitive in that way? In no way, shape, or form. But I think that's just black women, because I I mean, if if one of us wins, we all win, and I think mm-hmm. it sounds silly, but I do think most black people feel that way. I can tell you right now, almost every black person in late night feels that way, because we all on one text chain. well it did lead pretty much directly to you being uh, hired as the the first black woman ever to write for a network late night show which is kind of insane that it took that long i'm not 100 (laughs) i mean i guess that's true but i I, it's it's very hard to believe It, it can't possibly be true 
But it, maybe. But I, I bet if it said credited as, maybe that would make it more true. I don't know. It takes a lot of qualifiers to make it true. I'll take it. Who cares? I did it. Now everyone can do it. Hooray. <laughs> um, so let's talk about your podcast that you, you're doing together now, um, which I feel like is, is goes in a very different direction than the books in some ways, because it is sort of purely uh, silly and, and games and, and trivia and all that. So was that a deliberate decision to kind of um, step away from some of the the heavier issues and, and really make a, a fun platform. Yeah, I'm just looking at <laughs> Lazy. Lazy. Yes, we decided to be our true selves and just be uh, silly willies and uh, uh, just uh, do more lighthearted. I mean, because the books were the books are kind of heavy a little bit. And so um, it's just Amber and I like uh, people were telling us when they read the books, you can also get the um the audio version. And so everyone loved our back and forth with that. And so that's kind of like what we bring to the podcast is us just talking trash about each other, you know. Hey! <laughs> Amber, so we start the, every podcast, Whoa. we start the song. <laughs> Amber, what would you call it? A diss track? <laughs> we literally make a very tiny diss track for each other. So when people hear it, they're like, oh, that wasn't <laughs> nice. That was Amber's idea. I was just going to come in singing Kumbaya. That was not my idea. That was your idea. That was your idea. No, it was you not. Amber no, roughened the No, because you said, you... I want to sing the theme song. Mm -hmm. That's your idea. Yeah. So how we sing the theme song, that's the second idea. Oh, no. I don't believe it. Amber wanted to talk trash on the theme songs every time. Not. And it's a new song every time. It's a new song every time. And we we, we make it up. That's a lot of work. It Once you hear naturally. it, truly. <laughs> not a lot of work. That's what we do. It's not a lot of work at all. We're like, who's singing the song today? Amber's like, I think it's you. Okay. <laughs> what rhymes with stupid? <laughs> <laughs> what rhymes with stinky? You would be surprised. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> um so Lacey now you know obviously this the podcast and the books and all of that is your is your full-time job now I mean how has this experience of of sort of entering the the show business world uh changed your life listen it's a hell of a ride it's been great I have zero complaints I love it I don't have to be in corporate and I don't have to sit at dumb meetings and do this yeah that's great mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> and I don't have to write stuff down anymore and take it to HR <laughs> yet no we don't know i'm just joking i don't know about amber i've reported her a couple of times what? nothing's came of it it's neither here nor there <laughs> let me touch your hair no you cannot <laughs> in addition to uh to the podcast and the books and everything you're you're doing some some public speaking as well is that true oh yes we do I, a lot of speaking engagements and so i think i was telling you how the next one that amber and i have to do we are speaking to four to 500 members of law enforcement in Nebraska. Can you stand it? So, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. We will be talking about this on the podcast. Yeah. yeah what, they, are you, what, are you, um, what are you planning for it? They're like reading our book and then they're coming to talk about it. And so it's just we have a moderator. We have certain questions that will be asked throughout the whole um, Amber, what is it? We're, we're speak the speaking engagement, and then at the end, we're going to open it up for some questions, and that's when it's going to get interesting. What are you yeah. anticipating? Any and everything under the sun. That's why the questions are going to be real short at the end. No, I'm just joking. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll come back yeah, to no, your man. show and tell you. But we don't. We talked about it that this morning. We don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Amber, how do you feel? <laughs> I 
I'm scared. <laughs> Standing up in front of uh, four to five hundred law enforcement officers is a uh, yeah. But there's a, but you're you're dream. sort of a position my of dream. you know you're in a position to uh, to influence them in some way. What do you what do you yeah. want them to come away from the experience with? I want people. I want them to know what it feels like when you get pulled over, and I want them to know. I shouldn't have to calm you down when you pull me over. That's my main thing. Because every interaction I've ever, that's not true. Almost every interaction I've ever had with a police officer is me calming them down like they're an abusive oh. husband. And I just burnt the roast. <laughs> I, I swear to God. Did you burn the roast? Yes. I have never cooked anything well. But, uh, yeah, I think oh, I don't think they yeah. know that. I, I think they all think they're the only ones doing it. Yeah. Whatever, I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. I I was very intrigued, and I knew that Amber would be like, "We have to do this," because that's what I when they approached me, I was like, "Ooh, I'm scared." And then I said, "But I'm definitely gonna do it." And then when I told Amber, she was like, "Ooh, I'm scared, but we gotta do it. We gotta do it." Yeah, <laughs> I wish we, we weren't to physically in the same room. <sighs> but that's my main yeah, problem. It could be a Zoom uh, thing, you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe we get it to be a Zoom thing. I'm going to physically be there. It is still up in the air whether Amber can oh, okay. come to Omaha or not. Oh, and we are in Omaha, Nebraska, people. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Amber lives in New York. So I'm still here. Yeah. Well, as long still as the, here. as long as the strike's still going, you should have some free time, Amber, I think, right? <laughs> yep. That's the plan. <laughs> Try to get her to come in. Try to get her to do it. You really, yeah, you have no excuses left. That's no excuse, right? <laughs> Never mind. I'm just going to tell them you're coming. Sorry, Amber. You're 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 going to be here. Maybe the uh, yeah, straight like uh, the picket the picket line. You have to be there. Can't miss oh, it. Oh no, it's been decided. Okay, <laughs> I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so scary. This is something else that I was I was talking to uh, Sal Gentile about when he was on talking about the writer strike. But are you Amber? Are you worried about the the future of of late night TV and sort of what it looks like after this strike, especially if it goes on for a long time? Because it does feel like sometimes these things are used as excuses to make changes to the to the industry as opposed to making it better. Um, I think everything's going to be fine. <laughs> that's that's a good positive message. Uh, I don't know, man. I what think, do you What do you really uh, think? <laughs> I think late nights in a state of flux right now. So who knows? And nothing is quite landed yet. And that this strike will certainly cause some shift in something. But what it is, who knows? We don't know yet. Amber, your your name also came up uh, quite a bit as a possible Daily Show host replacement when all that was going down. Um, and now, obviously, that's been the the series of guest hosts that they've been doing has been put on pause as well. Did you uh, did you get a call to be a, a guest host for a week? Was that something that you uh, no, wanted to do or, or got the opportunity to do? Um, I'm under contract with Universal. I don't know that okay. that's even so allowed. So even if they wanted, if they yeah. wanted to, you couldn't. No, I don't think so. But they didn't ask if you. But I love that people said that. I yeah, think that's it was nice cute. to be in the, in the conversation. Yay! <laughs> if you is that a job that you would want if it was if it was something you could do? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sure, it's terrible. It's great, it's all great. Yes, I love it. One thing I need <laughs> more jobs. <laughs> that's what I want. I don't Maybe they just thought eh, she seems like she has a lot of jobs. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't need more jobs. Yeah, she had too many jobs. <laughs> if you want one twentieth of my attention, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
that nice. Ooh. But now you can get 100%. Uh, so now I want to do our segment on this podcast called The First Laugh. So I'm going to ask you guys some questions uh, about firsts in your in your life and, and career uh, around comedy. So um, you can each answer, uh, starting with the first piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard as a kid growing up. Remember that Bugs Bunny where, um, which one am I thinking of? There's two. But you're thinking of the opera where he's riding in on that fat horse. That fat horse was hilarious. That fat horse was the best. Yeah. That's probably, um, we would reenact yeah, for both those of you, scenes that was, uh, all those times. Yeah. Yeah. There's Bugs a lot Bunny. of good Bugs Bunnies. Yeah. Do you feel like that's uh, influenced your style of comedy as an adult? <laughs> I mean, it's possible. It's possible. We don't know. It's possible. I'm always like, like eating carrots and like digging holes. So like, <laughs> yeah, in a way, I yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, for each of you, do you remember the first time that you knew you were funny, that you could make other people laugh? Was was one of you funny first or, or how did that all play out? Amber, tell your funny story. This is the first I time I got be. a laugh, that I, a big, huge laugh that I remember. In order to enjoy this song, you need to know that Johnny Gill sings a song called Rub You the Right Way. Excellent song. Google it. Enjoy yourself. So I'm five, six, I don't know how old I am. I'm a child. And uh, I go with all my sisters to a movie. We get out of the movie and they encounter some um, also teenage kids from school, a bunch of teenage boys, and they start razzing each other. So they're trading barbs back and forth. And one of them looks like Johnny Gill. And, uh, you know, everyone's like, you Johnny Gill, Jerry Crow, have him look, uh, making fun of him <laughs> and stuff. And so then to end it all, I go, guys, let's get out of here. Because this guy rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> and everyone was screaming, crying, laughing. All his friends were like. So then that's when I, I think that was my first big good laugh. I remember it. Yeah. It spoke great. Lacey, when did you, when did you feel funny for the first time? Um, I was an extreme nerd in school and hung out with the teachers. And that's no lie. I ate my lunch in the um, teacher's lounge. Listen, and they were smoking in there. But I just remember... <laughs> I would always make comments about the kids that I know the teachers wanted to make and they would laugh and they would be like, you are a whole adult. <laughs> so Johnny would say something. I'd be like, oh, my Lord, I just, you know, yeah. just get a laugh out of <laughs> You're just relating yeah. to the teachers. I was just relating to the adults like, I know you can't wait to get off work. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Obviously, jokes Seth can't tell is, is a you know classic segment at this point. Um, is there a joke from that 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 didn't make it, that got cut, that you just love and you you wish it had made it on and, and, it, and it didn't get on? Absolutely not. Anything that all gets get on. cut from that <laughs> mug could be cut. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, and, when we're doing that thing, I'm like, I don't know if we should be saying <laughs> it's always how about one that, How about one that did make it, but you weren't sure if you should be saying it? What? No, I can't. I can't. They're well, all... I was already on the, TV. <laughs> at the end of each of them, I'm like, I can't believe we got to do that. One thing that I thought was... Like, as a joke, when we first did it, Seth goes, at the end of every one of them, Seth goes, it's like my granddad always says, black women and lesbians are liars. And when he said that at rehearsal, I cried laughing. I cried myself sick. I thought that was the funniest thing. And then I thought, well, he'll never say that on the air. Yeah. And then he did. <laughs> and he never stopped saying it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Dwayne The Rock Johnson turned 44 this week. But if you asked me, he turned 44. Sorry. <laughs> 45? Foin. 
Fern? Fine. I was like, how do you spell it? You don't spell it, you feel it. Okay. <laughs> hey, why don't you try one, Seth? Oh, uh, no. Yeah, come on, Seth, oh, no, give no, it a try. Yeah, just one. Oh, come no, on. No, no, yeah. Do it. Here we go. Firefighters in Italy recently helped a woman break out of her chastity belt after she'd locked it and lost the keys, which is odd because usually when firefighters rescue a stuck pussy, it's from a tree. Oh my God, Seth. I'm shocked. You promised me. How you dare you? You should be ashamed of yourself. Told me you liberty, Seth. It's true what they say. Lesbians and black women are liars. Do you remember your first time actually being on the show, um, you know, as opposed to being in the, you know, behind the scenes, your first on-screen appearance on, on Late Night and what it felt like? I think in the second episode, first, second episode, we had a sketch on there that was like people standing up in the audience and being like, this is what I think of the show. And the joke was the show hadn't even been on yet. So how oh, would you yes. have... Uh, I came on and I said something like, in my opinion, this minute is when the show really found its voice and started appealing to a broader audience. I went, <laughs> man. So blah, blah, blah. But I, um, I don't know. Yeah, it was fun. That, and it was fun. <laughs> do you, for each of you, do you remember the first time you met one of your comedy heroes, uh, someone that you just really looked up to in the comedy world and what it was like to meet them for the first time? Amber Ruffin, because she looked at me. Yay! Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> um, I did meet Whoopi Goldberg, and I said, I love you 40 times. I was just going to say, I want to meet Whoopi. What was it like to meet Whoopi, Amber? Um, she was very nice. I just couldn't, I couldn't stop saying I love you over and over and over and over and over again. She kept going, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Is that I when you were on it. The View, or was that another time? That was when she was on Late Night. Oh, she was okay. a guest on Late Night, and they let me go in that room. And that was stupid, but they let <laughs> me in there. So <laughs> Amber's going to Amber. And then you got, to, you got to go on The View. I did get to go on The View, and it was so fun. And uh, I got to meet uh, Whoopi Goldberg again, and I was normal. And she talked to me like I was a normal person. And that is also how I talked to her. And that was a shock because I didn't know that was coming. Yeah. Did she remember that you were the same person who just said, I love you over and over again uh, backstage previously? Yes. Yes. Well, because no, I told she her. She was able to overlook it. Um. Yes. Finally, is there a story or memory from your career that makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened for either of you? Everything in Lacey's book? Lacey, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyone you want to pull out much. and tell that, uh, that really, you know, makes you laugh now, but. You, you did not think was funny when it happened? Oh, Amber. Oh. Um, uh, uh, one of the stories in the book is I am, it's Christmas Eve. And a lot of these stories kind of like get all jumbled up because I now sometimes I can't remember if this was in the second book or the first book. But so it was Christmas Eve. I was doing, you know, last minute, you know, stocking stuff or stuff. And I, someone literally, I felt my head being snatched back and I almost fell down. And I immediately am like, 
oh, I better know this person. Like, I know it's someone playing a joke on me. And I turn around and it's a little tiny white woman. And she's got a lot of jewelry on. She's got a lot of rings on. And so her hair gets caught in my big Afro puff. And uh, she was surprised that that she didn't think she was going to get her hands. Like, she just thought she was going to touch my hair, which already don't do. If anyone's listening, don't come up and touch a stranger. No matter who they are, don't touch their hair. Nobody wants to be touched by a stranger. Well, I mean, okay. Anyway, but she (laughs) grabbed my hair and... Her hand gets stuck. I fall back and she goes, oh, you know, your hair is so fluffy and it's so, and I just cut her off and I go, you, I don't touch your hair and you don't touch mine. <laughs> Look, lady, I got to shop. I don't have time to do it. But time had froze. So everyone was standing around and there were a lot of oh black people God. and they were just like, I remember one guy going, I just wanted to see what you were going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, it's Christmas Eve. I can't go to jail. I'll be in there for like four days. It'll be back. I can't go to jail today. That's, Anywho, that's to to one jail. of my funny stories. Yeah. So read Amber, the book. Anything, There's more of those in uh, any, Anything from you that uh, something that, that makes you laugh now, but wasn't funny when it happened? Um, Every time we got booed at Boom Chicago. Oh, Boom yeah. Chicago is a comedy theater in Amsterdam. And... You know, sometimes we would get like um, stag dues. Um, uh, uh, what do we call bachelor parties and hen dues. parties and stuff? And they would be oh. shit faced, just screaming, man. So you'd have to like. Sometimes they'd just be too rowdy, and you gotta kick them out. But um, always, while it was happening, you would be like. Oh no, how's this going to go? Am I ever going to get the audience back? And then after they left, you'd be like, hee hee, I did it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was um, fun. And now it's hilarious. Yeah. Now thinking now you back on every, it. yeah, now it's pretty great. I was, I was kicked out of a lot of shows when I went to see Amber. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> were. She kept booing me. A couple. I just boot. No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Boo. No, I, did. I would never do that. She would. My couple boos. Hilarious. Well, thanks guys so much. This was a lot of fun. Yay. Thank, Thank you. you. Yay. Yay! All right. I want to thank Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar again for joining me on this week's show. You can check out their podcast, The Amber and Lacey, Lacey and Amber Show, wherever you are listening to this podcast. And we'll put a link to purchase their two books in the description for this episode as well. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.